Welcome to Think Queerly. I'm your host, Darren Steele. I'm a personal leadership coach living in Toronto, Canada, and I help people discover how to fully embrace their uniqueness and creative potential so that they can freely create the life they want. I write and podcast regularly about queer leadership and how we can create a more loving and accepting world for all people. You can find out more about me at my website, darrensteel.com, where you can also get my book, Think Queerly, Meditations and Critical Reflections on Liberating Humanity. Well, this will be a very special episode and very spontaneous, actually, in that it happened with an idea this morning and uh, a text to my good friend who joins me on the show today. It's going to be about sex shaming during COVID-19. And in this edition, I speak with uh, my friend and colleague, Sean Pru. I've been on his show on uh, by the same name, The Sean Pru Show, on Sirius XM Canada Talks 167 a number of times over the years. He's a good friend, a colleague, and we're pretty much in alignment with certain things that are happening and we're seeing and witnessing right now. There's a lot of shaming and a lot of judgment around everything that's happening right now, but specifically when we narrow it down to people who are choosing to have sex or actually need to have sex. They need the connection during COVID-19 and, and social quarantine. And, and what, what does that mean exactly? How do we look at that? How do we simply allow that to exist as it is? Now, Sean Prue has credits as a television personality and host, a producer, a talk radio host, a motivational speaker, columnist, author, publisher, actor, live event host, spokesperson, life coach, and activist for the issues of mental health, animal rights, and HIV stigma. Now, he's the publisher of thegayguidenetwork.com. It's Canada's number one LGBT digital magazine since 2002 and you can find out lots more about sean at his website seanpru.ca all of the notes uh links for things that we mentioned in this episode are in the show notes so without me talking anymore let's just get right into it well i'm here with sean pru on the think queerly show welcome thank you nice to be here I, I think you have some sort of a, you know, show or something that you're known for. <laughs> Sean Prince, damn it, on uh, Sirius XM Canada Talks, you know, 167, it's heard every weekend. And uh, it's been an interesting time doing that during these COVID experiences. Yeah, and I've been on the show with you a couple of times, so I really appreciate that. And this is the first time you're on mine. I know, I feel like you're popping my cherry a bit. Oh my goodness. And speaking of popping cherries, <laughs> let's talk about sex during COVID-19 when you're not supposed to, but you're going to anyway, and all of the issues that surround that. So this is a kind of a no holes that's with a H barred conversation. So, you know, let's just get deep into it. Yep. You have uh, published a couple of interesting posts and you know a lot of people might not know I do some work with you and help with editing and production of things that go on the gayguidenetwork.com and I want to make sure to sort of like uplift some of these posts for you and bring attention to them because they're really important um, and so I had been producing some of these posts for you and I thought I want to talk about this a little bit more um, I was just to frame this a little bit uh, you know, I recently did uh, a podcast, um, uh, HIV, AIDS, in contrast with the COVID-19 pandemic lessons in history. And I chatted with uh, two colleagues in Buffalo. One's a historian uh, and an academic, and the other one has just been around and had the experience way back when in, in, in ACT UP. And how do we contrast that from sort of a political understanding? But now, all of a sudden, it's like... The pandemic sex shaming I'm seeing reminds me so much of when HIV AIDS hit and we were just hit with an emotional wall and fear and gay shame of not knowing how we 
should proceed. Maybe let's just start there. What are your initial insights from maybe when we went into lockdown to where we are now about three months later? I, I, would, I would also just want to add that this is a conversation that everyone should hear because everyone is affected this time around. It's not just the gay community. And then, of course, this, AIDS was never a gay disease to begin with. But uh, when the, the brunt of the burden was, was taken, it was gay men who were taking um, the, the biggest hit, of course. But it's important that everybody hear a conversation like this um, because everyone... It, it matters to all. And so I, I, I would also add that the, the pandemic sex shaming that we're talking about or going to be talking about is prefaced by a mirror that you could hold up between um, AIDS and COVID. You've got this uh, mysterious disease taking lives. You have uh, experimental drug trials. You have an inept U.S. president. We had Reagan in the, in the AIDS era. We have Trump now. And even the two doctors, Fauci and uh, Dr. Deborah Burks or Bricks, I can't remember her, her surname, those two were AIDS rock stars. Those two were standing behind President Reagan um, during the AIDS crisis, and they're now standing behind Trump. Well, they were anyway until he said mm -hmm. it. Just drop the ball, but but the the parallels are so remarkable that I know people who are long term AIDS survivors who are experiencing PTSD from this because they're so similar. We're they're living through this again, mm. and so the, we catch up now when we talk about um, where we're at right now. Where we're at right now is we were um, told to quarantine and, and abstain from life much the same way gay men were told to abstain from sex mm -hmm. and uh, two powerful forces um, coming into play here back when it was AIDS, it was about the forces of nature we call sex. And now um, for the society as, as we're experiencing the pandemic, it's the force of nature um, that we call um, social interaction. And uh, people are finding right now that they're just climbing the walls. They are dying to get out and see their friends and see their family and have some kind of normal life, much the same way that people were dying to get out and do what comes naturally um, back in the HIV AIDS pandemic. Um, so it's, it's spooky times and, and, and um, the, the mask that we're all asked to wear is the new condom, right? Mm -hmm. We're all covering up and protecting ourselves and protecting the others around us. And what's really happening right now, because here in Ontario, where you're based and where I'm based, um, it's following the suit of a lot of different provinces and states. We're opening up um, more and more, um, slowly but surely. And so we now have risk to manage. And it's, mm -hmm. it's exactly the same for me as when I was a young man and it was in full force. And uh, there was a document released in that document uh, explain that gay men should be wearing a condom when they're when they're interacting with others sexually. The same was we should be wearing masks when we're out in society. Um, and then uh, in that same document, it listed uh, all the different sort of uh, most typical uh, sex acts that you could do from from giving head to um, uh, anal sex. And the risks involved, giving head with a condom on was, was lo lower risk than giving head without a condom, was lower risk than anal with a condom, which was lower risk than anal without a condom. And yeah. so we've armed with that information, we then made our way back into the world and some of us abstained um, and continued to, to, to uh, practice that. And then some of us uh, began to practice what was called safer sex. And right now we're beginning to practice what we could call safer living. And it is about social distancing. It is about um, having that mask on and ass assessing risk. Every time we leave our house now, we are assessing risk. I was at a small um, dinner last night with two very good friends of mine, and they were starving for some social interaction and, and, and me too. Um, mm -hmm. So I went over for dinner, but we didn't embrace at the door. Um, we kept our, 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 dis our, our two hockey sticks or three raccoons <laughs> distance apart. Uh, three we, bottoms apart? Three bottoms apart. <laughs> uh, we, kept our distance. we each had a separate table. 
um, out on their patio that was distanced, and you know, all me- all all measures were taken. Um, and, uh, and I will say that this was, dinner was a, a long time coming because, uh, it was canceled twice before because Lawrence, one of my friends, um, wasn't feeling well and never developed into anything, but again, waited two or three weeks. He, he was fine, all this sort of stuff before we finally did this dinner. And that's what's going on now. And, and if you want to bring it around to sex, I think both before the openings that we're seeing now in the provinces and states, and now that we are seeing them, that people for sure have been having sex and gay men for sure have been having sex. Not Mm -hmm. all gay men, so don't come screaming at me. I'm not saying it's you if you're not having sex. But I I do know, uh, myself included, that I've assessed risk. And it feels, it just feels like the good old days, girl. <laughs> well, you know, it's it, to bring sort of like a personal parallel. Um, you know, my mom's birthday is coming up in the middle of the month and started having a conversation with my parents about, you know, could we do this? They've got a decent sized backyard, but they got a really big um, kind of like a gazebo covering. So nice weather we could sit outside with lots of distance and not even be inside the house talked about no embracing that sort of thing and then the discussion came up with my partner about visiting his parents and we had originally discussed having like two separate trips and one's to london ontario two hours away one's to Brantford, just an hour and 15 minutes away and then we decided, well, why don't we do it over a whole weekend? And then, you know, we'll book a hotel. We know the one is open. And then my dad called this morning. He's like, I don't know if that's actually a good idea because, you know, if you're going to go see his parents first and then you're going to stay at a hotel and then you're going to take a car and then you're going to come see us. You know, my mom has lung cancer. My partner's father has a kind of a lymphatic cancer. Right. It's like, uh, you know, so we're managing a couple layers of risk, plus everybody's in their 70s, right? Yeah. And so we just then, but I had suggested a different date, and I hear my mother on in the background because I'm talking to my dad. She's going, mm, oh, why did you come at this date? It's like the emotional need, which I want to bring up later, is, is very real. It's this, but I feel lonely. and yes. But she lives at home with my dad and uh, my niece is living with them going to school uh, in, in London, Ontario at the moment. So with that, we decided, and there was some back and forth, oh, you should come this day. I was like, no, we're doing two weeks apart. We're going to see my partner's parents first for just a day visit, two weeks. We actually went and got tested for COVID yesterday. The results came back in the evening, both negative, a horrible experience in the sense of like got a horrible bloody nose. But we decided to be part of the the solution, be part of the overall testing just to know. So, and, and I just thought when I was going to Mount Sinai to, to, to wait for that test, it's like, this just reminds me of the, the very first time, yeah. the very first HIV test. And yeah. it's not scary this time because I've got this experience of having lived through it. And at least for me, the whole sexual intercourse aspect had far more fear because when HIV came out, it was just, it was a death sentence, full stop, mm-hmm. right? And we know that's not the case anymore. And and we know that's not the case per se with COVID. It's still an existential threat, but it feels like I've been there before. Yes. And, and, and the having been there before to me is a great blessing because I'm watching people who have not been there before, whether it mm. is, Great people, or whether it is younger LGBTQ plus people uh, who have not had the experience, and and there is a measure of comfort that you can take when you've been through something as horrifying as the AIDS epidemic. Because mm-hmm. uh, and I've joked before um, when people have questioned my decision making, I'm like, girl, I have been through AIDS. I'm going to be fine during this COVID mess. I'm taking my precautions. Um, but I, I want to go back to something that you were saying about um, the cry for social interaction. Mm. I think it's so important that we don't discount or negate that because uh, we're we're programmed as human beings to be social animals. And mm. this isn't just um, a, a little wish list that we have. I wish I could see so-and-so. We have an, 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 an instinctive need for 
social interaction. And, um, and sexually, I, I, I hooked up with a friend of mine, a regular, um, a couple nights ago. And you he had sex with, with your friends? Well, some of the benefits. But I, I, um, he had been quarantining very um, religiously. And so <laughs> the sex was really good. <laughs> oh, and, and, and was it missionary just to extend the metaphor? You know? He that out of the cage. But, but, but what I want to say is, is he was saying to me when we were talking beforehand, he was saying to me, I can't handle this anymore. I will go mm. nuts if I don't. I need to be touched. I need to be uh, physical. And mm. and so we can't discount that. And and I think that at the very bottom of the, the root of everybody who mm. is judging, stigmatizing, um, criticizing others for behavior, behaving not in a way that makes them happy. You mm-hmm. have to realize that that these are human beings having a human experience. And to the degree that, God, you know, I remember the AIDS epidemic so vividly, um, and it, it's, it's painful to step back in there because we were such cunts to one another. Yeah. Uh, we, would, we would say, oh, he was at the tubs, right, as though he had committed a cardinal sin by going to the tubs. Yeah. Or he, he's paused. Or he, mm-hmm. he he doesn't wear a condom, or he did. We were so mean to each other, and you see that now. Um, I posted a flashback Friday video I had done many months ago with my friend who cuts my hair. He comes over to my place and cuts my hair. I'm very lucky, um, and and colors it. And we were sitting around waiting for for the color to sit in and then I had a plastic bag over my head and we were just joking around in the video. And, um, I, my post sort of said, Oh, I can't wait for these days to return where I can see him again. And I can have a real haircut <laughs> instead of my COVID cut. But you know how people don't read someone mm-hmm. on their Facebook went on right. to criticize and, and they were saying, where are your masks? Are you two living together? Why aren't you physically distancing? And at the root of that is just this forgetting, even if that was the case and and that video was recent and we had done that, at the root of doing that is a great need that if we don't have it, it fucks our mental health up. And that's not to be ignored. And we cannot have suddenly have this society where everyone is um, mentally unwell because they're following some uh, protocols that, that have been suggested to the letter. You have to answer the call of your own need. And then you take the measured risk and you, you live with the, the result just to the degree that um, when I made choices as a young man during the AIDS epidemic, I had to know that I was putting myself at some degree of risk and that I would have to be prepared to accept the consequences. And so as I go about my life, um, sometimes forgetting my mask at home, sometimes uh, taking the mask off if I feel like smoking a cigarette or whatever. Uh, the, I know that I ha- am um, putting myself at risk to a small degree and someone else at risk if I'm near them, which I try not to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to the degree that I'm having sex with other people, um, the same applies. I, we, we assume we're healthy um, and go from there. I know some guys um, who have done a remarkable job and, and they get criticized for this and they should be applauded. Um, I have a friend who had a hookup and he showed up at the guy's door. The guy made him put his clothes in a plastic bag and tied them up. And then he had to go into the shower and have a hot shower. Um, the host had, had just had one himself. And then they had sex and they had sex without faceless, with, without face-to-face contact. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, how um, creative and how um, good of them to take care of each other that way. Mm-hmm. And well, they would people, some people listening to this right now will roll their eyes and deride them for doing this. And, and that's okay if you're not ready to go and do that yourself. That's that's on you, but you can't be criticizing others for answering the needs that they have to keep their damn sanity intact. Yeah, well, you 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 bridged it right into something that I want to talk about. I think it's really brilliant because, yeah, just to back it up a little bit, like the the neuroscience of how we work, the mammalian brain, the animal part of our brain, is always looking for acceptance, connection, and care. 
that's what we learn when we're infants and newborns being cared by a mother and a father, and regardless of gender and sexual orientation, but that, that fostering, that love, that touching, maybe even breastfeeding, all those things that create that need for hugging and being touched and being cooed and being you know spoken to and looked at directly in the eyes create that's what develops our compassion. That's what develops our empathy. That's what de- develops our social connection. So the mammalian brain is responsible for our social needs. And those that part of the ancient brain always overrides what's called the prefrontal cortex, the thinking brain, the logical brain. So if your needs are not being met at the mammalian brain level or at the level of threat in the so-called reptilian, the amygdala, you will not be able to get into your rational thinking brain. And our, our rational thinking brain looks at like how I want my future to be. And then it can actually create, you know, the strategies, the plans and the actions. And like the conversation we're having right here is through our thinking brain. So your friend that you were describing, the other person, they were, they had figured out how to get their needs met. And then they were able to use their logic to think how to mitigate to the best possible level the threat that they were going to assume. And they tried to minimize the threat, but they just recognized that if they didn't take care of themselves and their basic human needs, probably the outcome would be worse. And then that allows me to segue into, you know, in the beginning with HIV AIDS, as soon as we found out how it was transmitted. It was like learning how to drive a car for the very first time. You're extremely trepidatious. Your driving instructor or parent is telling you to like do this and maybe you get taken out to a parking lot where there are no other cars so you won't fucking ram into something else or screw up. And then you get better at it. But because you're young, once you get good at it, you get your license, then maybe you become a little cocky. And you start taking risk and you're not thinking things through logically or. Or you're thinking things through really quickly and you've already gotten into a a measure of risk that you'll accept and you don't have to check that risk all the time. You just know. Yeah. And, you know, it's just I I said something just tongue in cheek a couple of weeks ago to my partner. We were talking about uh, Grindr and Scruff, you know, the primary sort of gay hookup apps and um you know neither of us have played outside the relationship during covid we sometimes do and sometimes together but he said oh i stopped uh i haven't been on any of those apps for about five months um and christian said oh i'm just not on the apps anymore uh because he uses a lot for conversation and maybe for something in the future but he made the decision no we're you and i we'll we'll keep it together but there's no reason for me to use it and i just joked because um sometime last year i had written and recorded a podcast uh, that i called uh, the prejudice of prep you're fucked if you don't bear back meaning things have changed so much that i would talk to people on grinder they're like well i'm on prep and that became an unspoken i want you to fuck me bear yeah. And I would respond saying, no, I only use a condom because I'm choosing not to be on prep because I'm choosing to use a condom. And so now we're in a situation where prep doesn't matter. No. You know, it, it, it does if you're going to have bareback sex and you don't, and you're not using something like that against HIV. But the whole purpose for many people taking prep was to say, well, fuck condoms. I just want to be able to do this and that's a whole other issue about need and touch and feeling connection and and also we can't negate the fact that uh, if you're on prep or not using condoms or you're you're on um uh, uh like i am like a gen Boya type of med um mm-hmm. you're still exposing yourself to other stis mm-hmm. you still there's still there's always a risk and there's always a risk with what we're talking about now in these COVID times. And in the end, it's up to you to, to be the manager. And it's, but it, I would, I would ask anyone listening to this to consider as, as um, we go through our lives to stop the um, judgment and the shaming and the stigmatization 
calling people out for not having a mask on, calling people out for leaving their home, calling people out for having company over, calling people out for this. I mean, how Canadian is it that we have a snitch line? We have a snitch line, everybody. I mean, it doesn't get more Canadian than that's so nitpicky. But I think that's uh, just Ontario. That's a very much uh, a PC government thing. Yeah, a snitch line. Uh, but st- snitch away mm-hmm. because uh, the people's mental health is at risk. And you can say abstinence, abstinence, mm-hmm. abstinence. But we know that the abstaining model, whether it comes to sex or whether it's um, even about drugs and alcohol, does not always work. In fact, it has negative health consequences in the long term for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It also drives behavior underground. So going back to the HIV AIDS days, I remember going to bathhouses and looking over my shoulder before I opened the door and ducked in because right. was anyone going to see me? And so you're not helping people. They don't, when you're screaming at them to abstain, to stay home, to do this, to do that, do you, well, what happens to you when someone tells you not to do something? What do you do? You Push don't know what you do it. Yeah. You do it and you do it uh, more secretly. And so it creates it creates this whole haze uh, around activity where people are not being honest anymore. I remember in the AIDS days, liars who would say they'd been tested, liars who said they were negative when they were positive. And they lied because they felt they had to, because otherwise they would risk the wrath of the stigmatization and the judgment and everything else coming their way. And that's too big a burden to bear. The lesser burden was to lie. And so we we create a mess when we do that. And so for people listening, um, I would suggest to consider supporting and applauding and saying, good for you. You're taking, you're going to go out and have sex and you're taking this kind of precaution for you and and applaud that and encourage that kind of thing, because a lot of thought and love has gone into those decisions. And so I um, have no time for anybody's, um, shaming or or judgment or stigmatization of me, I reject it all, and I'm taking care of myself to the best of my ability and those around me to the best of my ability, and um, and that's that's the time we live in, and it is an authentic and honest way to move through the time, and it's the safest way that's going to happen, and we all want to have mental health in place. One of the biggest challenges with what I'm seeing more broadly in everything that's happening right now. And I just put out a post in a podcast um, uh, yesterday, humanity's tipping point and without a return to compassion, we're finished is just that. And the aspect of compassion and empathy is what's lacking um, in so many people's responses to, to not just whether it be how people are behaving in the snitch line um, and you know, the, 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 the murder of George Floyd and it, it, it everything right now is so much. And I, I want to come back to like coping mechanisms and the conversation you had with the, the sex worker in uh, Montreal. It, it, it goes back to, again, the early days of HIV AIDS um, and, and gay shame. It's when we are ashamed of who we are because we're brought up in a society that says you're wrong you're broken religion doesn't love you god doesn't love you um you should just kill yourself um that makes it very difficult to then feel like you fit in and if you don't see role models then you you don't feel first of all compassion for yourself when others are not giving compassion to you and i think you know louise hay the author of uh, you can heal I your life her. was yeah, she was one of the first people that you know publicly uh, was organizing uh, face-to-face meetings with a lot of gay men, I think in San Francisco, and she was just listening, and she was just letting people share, and for people to have their voice heard, which is what we're kind of doing here. We're talking about if you shut someone down, and then they internalize even more shame about, oh my God, I was... I thought I was doing the right thing to say that I had sex with someone during COVID. Exactly. You know, you're going to reinforce externally that kind of behavior because now they even feel bad about themselves. So in order to feel better, what's one of the greatest ways to feel better? Have sex. Yes. 
Absolutely, and it's it's the one of the ultimate coping mechanisms, and, and this yeah. is why none of none of the shaming and, and uh, judgment works. If mm-hmm. your if your um, intention is to get somebody to take care of themselves, they're going to have to take care of themselves in the best way they can. You drive mm-hmm. the behavior that you hate the most when you condemn it, and I feel we live in a society that doesn't encourage critical thinking and that does encourage mm-hmm. us all care what someone else thinks and i feel blessed to be a critical thinker who doesn't give a flying fuck what anyone else thinks <laughs> but i wish more people um had um and that's a that's a hard one quality by the way um mm-hmm. but i wish that on uh, and for everybody because it's a powerful place to stand when you um are so comfortable in your own skin that you can reject um, the condemnation of others and do your best for yourself and be comfortable with who you are. It's a very good place to approach this stuff. And Mm -hmm. I feel bad for those people who um, don't have enough of that um, to navigate what is coming at them because a lot is coming at them at all times. And and, and then we add in the internalized messaging um, from way back that you're talking about as well. So the tape that plays in someone's head about themselves mm-hmm. and their behaviors. Um, mm-hmm. I know when I went when in the early days of this, you know, um, I'm not painting a picture of myself as being able to perfectly handle this. And here's here's the way in which I didn't. The amount of, um, I would leave my place for a hookup and this was pre-opening and when I just had to have a hookup and um, I felt really guilty. And I felt very much like when I left my, because nobody was going out, right? And and so what in hell was I doing getting into an Uber at 11 o'clock at night? Uh, surprise, um, figure it out. And I felt until that Uber pulled away, like all eyes were on me. They weren't, of course, maybe somewhere, I don't know, um, and no longer care. But I, I, that was an, a measure of um, self-imposed guilt and self-imposed worry and self-doubt that I had going on. And I cleared that up in my own energy quickly enough because I wrapped my head around what was really going on for me. But mm-hmm. um, if people are are in that zone and don't know how to climb out of it, it's a very precarious place to be. And then, then it leads to things that we're seeing already. Um, drug abuse is going up, uh, alcohol abuse is going up. Mm-hmm. Domestic violence is going up. Suicide rates are going up. We wonder why. Um, everyone's got to be le- allowed to be who they are in the most authentic expression of that, that they are. And it's up to the rest of society, if we really are interested in their well-being and our well-being, to be supportive of those people and not condemn them at all. Mm-hmm. There is no other way. Well, you you mentioned a couple of things there, especially around addiction, and perhaps share some thoughts on on the challenge of addiction or chemsex. And I know you've written a little bit about that in in the last while. Well, it's it's interesting because, um, and if people are um, listening to this, uh, I want you to follow on Twitter and on Instagram a really wonderful account called Fagdemic, and what. It is is a couple of guys who have worked in um, in gay men's health uh, or in queer health, and they realized that the government was not going to message people who um, use uh, party favors, drugs uh, uh, to enhance their their pleasure, um, or speak to that segment, the P and P scene. Um, they didn't have the capacity or the ability. Um, to address it. And so they have created two wonderful social accounts where they're constantly posting up messages that's authentic, radically honest, and um, really loving. And Mm -hmm. it's it's such a good tool and good mirror for people to take a look at because it gives permission for those people to be themselves and for those people to be counted in on this. And so they talk about, um, again, the different measures uh, that that some guys are taking. For example, if they're using a a pipe doing meth, they're they're all using their own pipes. They're not sharing. Um, If they're hanging out and not really having a lot of sexual intercourse, then 
then they're hanging out in safe distances. And when you see examples of how to be, and you're, you're relating to the people who are providing the examples, you now have a way to be that may have not occurred to you yet. Mm-hmm. And we have to be um, open and we have to be um, honest in all of this. And so I applaud Fagdemic. I don't even know who the two guys are. I applaud them for having the balls and the love to, to put this out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost moving to me right now. Well, I, I know before COVID hit this probably last year, um, you know, the Doug Ford Provincial Conservative Government for Ontario was, at least in my area where I live, um, St. Jamestown and Cabbage Town, um, they were trying to close down a number of these safe um, places like safe injection sites and things like that. And of course, there was community that just didn't want that kind of nastiness to be in the neighborhood well it's here and if it's not going to be a safe space it's going to be in your fucking backyard or it's going to be in a park and you're going to be walking with your dog and your dog's going to step on a needle so what makes more sense it's just like pet peeve of mine it drives me crazy and so you know there at the level of you know provincial government is is the greatest form of shaming um you terrible dirty drug user you don't deserve to have a safe place it's like anyway a whole other issue here but it this this is a top down thing and what you were just saying there and i was thinking of that memory it's like how do we in the challenge of physical distancing provide a safe space like this. I mean, that's been the whole issue with homelessness and, and housing for homelessness yeah. and opening up hotels to the homeless population because the hotels have been temporarily closed. Well, how do we help manage that? Uh, I haven't thought of this until now. Anyone, you know, this is what I call totem pole thinking. I, I, I And how dare you? I'm so fucking tired of this idea that one is better than the other, that this mm-hmm. is my neighborhood and I want it a certain way and I don't want the homeless here. I shall move this encampment. I shall, I do not want safer injection sites near me. Who do you think you are? And, 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 and homelessness mm-hmm. and drug uh, abuse or, or, or substance abuse is a hair away from your life at all times. We've mm-hmm. seen in this uh, economy we saw within two weeks of being in isolation, lockdown, we saw businesses going under and it spooked me how fast people were to go broke and how quickly mm-hmm. people needed help. I didn't realize the house of cards that most people are living under right now or living in where you're off work for two weeks and your whole entire financial structure crumbles. You don't, have, you don't even have that much of a cushion and businesses too. Small businesses and large businesses all going under very, very quickly. And so in the way that that we've all got this precarious kind of um, um, relationship in our financial world, we are all a step away from from losing our mental health. We're all just a step away from losing our housing. And anyone who's got mental health issues, who's got substance abuse issues, who's got housing issues, is was once you was once you and wouldn't have wished this uh, on themselves for anything. And it just happened. And everyone is, is really, really close to that. So how dare you presume that you, as you walk around that you were somehow better and that these people don't deserve the help. This is, been, uh, this is a problem that uh, is related directly that we're seeing with COVID-19 and the, the, the homelessness being moved around. Um, the people uh, uh, who are homeless have nowhere to take a fucking shit in the middle of the day. We're all in this together. COVID-19 has shown us we are all in this together. We are all connected. And so the arrogance behind the thinking of of, um, don't help people who are suffering in some way, you are so close to, if you're thinking that you're better, you are so close to them, you don't even know. And and it's... um, it's it's a disgusting thing that we're doing in our society, thinking that these people are lesser than. I can't stand the thinking, as you can probably tell. Yeah. But the, the the beauty, of, and there's been a lot of beauty uh, in COVID nineteen, is that we it has it has so shown us the societal underbelly, 
and you can't fix something you can't see. And we have been walking around, ignoring problems, ignoring this, ignoring that in our own little bubbles. And then that bubble got burst. And here we are now. And, and it, good for you for bringing these topics uh, to the forefront. Well, this morning I was um, reading the Tao, the Tao Te Ching, and I have like three or four or five versions for uh, this work I'm doing. And it was just, of course, serendipitous that the, the verse I was reading, I think, speaks very much to how I want to close out this episode, which is, I'm going to ask you in a moment. So I'll give you like a heads up for what the question is. You know, your most your most meaningful and helpful sort of humanitarian insider suggestion. So, oh no, I'm going to think. I'm going to think. So one of, one of the translations I have isn't actually a real translation. It's more of a an interpretation because it's called the Tao of Leadership. But every once in a while, uh, the author John Hyder. Uh, literally does what would be more of a, a, a translation. And it just opens, It's he calls the 54th verse the ripple effect. And it goes, do you want to be a positive influence in the world? First, get your own life in order. Ground yourself in the single principle, which is the Tao, so that your behavior is wholesome and effective. If you do that, you will earn respect and be a powerful influence. And just, you know, briefly to explain that more, I mean, we if we spend more time with mouths closed and both ears open, or if we spend more time in in contemplation, in meditation, or taking a walk in nature and just calming down the crazy parts of ourselves, which we are all experiencing. And 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 three months in, like the first couple of weeks, holy shit, I had like a couple days of productive work and then three days of shutting down. And yeah, I'm lining up with everybody else to get alcohol at the liquor store. And mm. it's just, it's got better. It has become easier because this abnormal has become more normal. But at the same time, you know, I've talked about and written about who do you want to be during the COVID-19 epidemic, which is just another way of saying how do you want to show up and be the change you want to see in the world? For me, that means oh, taking a breath when I notice myself going into reaction and, and the tendency to want to shame or judge because it's in all of us, but it just becomes a practice to go, how do I reframe what I, I feel is very antagonistic and combative and go, how do I understand the other side? How do I understand what this person is doing that I would not do now? But then I realize I did that when I was 20. I did that yeah. when I was 30. I did yeah. shit in my 40s that I'm fucking ashamed of and I don't ever want to publicly acknowledge. Good for you, girl. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, you know it, but and, and I think that for me is the big one. It's I've learned in the last like couple of years as I've started developing more of my empathy muscle and I feel like I've been coming more into wisdom, which doesn't mean better than I think wisdom is a product of noticing like observation and experience. And the noticing is just that observing without judgment. And the wisdom is when you can maybe ask a question instead of saying, you know what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> So that's my take. What's yours? This is a, this is a final thought bit. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> if you have something more to say, you should say it. <laughs> well, I go back to the the uh, dinner that I was at last night, and and of course, you don't go anywhere really without and meet somebody without having a good talk mm -hmm. about this experience that we've been given. And I really feel that this isn't happening um, to us that it's happening for us. I feel, mm -hmm. and you've heard me say this before, um, that we were fucking things up royally. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't need to give anyone listening the laundry list from climate change to uh, violence to um, anti-blackness to uh, just the way we lack empathy with each other to Trump. Mm -hmm on and on and on um the world was a hot glue gun mess you saw people expressing their fear of all the madness going on in the world all the time on social media mm -hmm. and i feel like universe has sent us all to our rooms 
to think about what we've done and who we want to be when we come out. Mm-hmm. And I have um, felt throughout this experience and my experience with this experience has been easier than many. And I acknowledge that um, I'm a creative person. I've always got things going on. Um, I've found ways to be nimble and um, keep um, income flowing. I've got um, a great place to, to, to isolate in with a fantastic flatmate that I love living with. I've got a dog that gets me outside. You know, I've had a very easy time with this. But one thing that's made it um, even better, where I haven't minded this time, although I want to get out and see people and do things, um, is the fact that I've noticed the beauty that's everywhere in it. Mm-hmm. And there is beauty in the fact that the world is replenishing itself and repairing itself. There is beauty in the silence that the, that, that, that dominates the night. Uh, I don't feel like I've got people on top of me all the time now because of social distancing. Um, the expression of love that goes on at 7.30 p.m. in my neighborhood is deafening. It's the expression of love for the healthcare workers and all the frontline workers. People go out on their balconies and they open their windows and they're banging the pots and the pans. You've seen that. I live in a very dense neighborhood, a densely populated neighborhood, and it's uh, remarkable. And we have shown a, a capacity of love and compassion and empathy for each other. We are being kinder to one another. Uh, we are being more patient with one another. We're talking a lot as we have about judgment and stigma and shame, and we've got to fix that. Um, and 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 I hope a conversation like this gives food for thought to people. But on and on and on I could go about mm-hmm. what good things are happening out of this um, pandemic. And so my my best wish for anyone listening to this is to make it your dominant intention that all day, every day, you're going to look for things that are positive about this experience. Um, it's a gift and it is changing the world. Um, a lot of us don't like change. A lot of us are fearful of change. We don't know what it's all going to look like when it's all said and done, but I don't think it's going to be all said and done for, for a long time to come. We're going to continue to adjust and we're going to continue to uh, evolve and we're going to continue to go with the flow of this. And that's going to mean all kinds of changes. Like I hear now that masks are soon going to be out and face shields are in, you know, and, and so we're going to be walking around with these face shields on. Um, it's going to keep changing and evolving. And we're going to find ways to um, be our best selves during it. But what makes it um, a, a blessing instead of curse is to look for the beauty you want to see. And that would be my wish anyone listening to this look for the beauty that you want to see i like that you said something about seeing a lot more love and compassion and i think i i i know i have seen that more as well to sort of like end on on that note it's it's a love and compassion and empathy are the great you know re rebalancing um and it's COVID 19 this pandemic is the change that we need to see in this world i mean it's been on the one hand, kind of like the straw that's broken the camel's back. And it's made us realize this is not about, it it is, but it's not just about a global health pandemic. It's made us really look at ourselves. And I love the metaphor of it's told us, it's made us all go into our own rooms and sit in the corner and think about what we've done. And, and that's the thing is the, the, one of the greatest gifts is that for many of us, um, and for many people that maybe, uh, have been used to going to work, but aren't going to work. So I work from home, you work from home. But for those people that are now sort of staying at home um, or sheltering in place, as it's called in the US, they've got time to think and reflect. And I've seen people on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook saying things that they had never realized about themselves or their life. Um, You know, their discussions in Canada about maybe we'll move to a four day work week. And, and, And it's like, excellent like the structure is needs to change and we can't exist in the old structure with COVID 19 and that's just it taking care of its citizenry uh you know it's it's an imperfect system but we have been able to take care of each other and and um and then then it gives way and i'm going to send off socialists now but there are countries in europe who give their their citizens a basic living income 
And when you see that this is possible, we suddenly are magicking money, um, that when you see that this is possible, you, you really see what we've got to give to, to one another. And I think um, that, that um, the George Floyd tragedy in the States, which has given way to uh, days now of not just protests in American cities, protests coming this weekend as we tape your podcast, Darren, a po- uh, protests going on all around the world, London, Amsterdam. We saw them in France. We, we see people um, rising up. And would, would the rising up have been the degree that it is if we weren't already under the great pressure that COVID has put us under? Like this is the straw that George Floyd changed the world. And this is the straw. He was the straw that broke it, but it wouldn't have, we would have still had, had it in us if COVID wasn't around. I think it would have just been one more horrible story coming out of this, but with COVID breaking our backs already, this was enough. And this is what I think is, I think this, what we're seeing now, because it's global, because you're seeing um, as, as, as many white people at these protests, as you do black people at these protests, I think that this is the, the, the time of great change and shift where uh, anti-blackness is concerned. And, uh, and, I, and, and again, I don't, see the timing of these things and think it's some sort of coincidence. I think it's very divine. And um, we've strayed away from the topic of sex and, and COVID and stuff like that. But we're all in this together. And um, as cliche as it sounds, we're all one in the end. This is hmm. proven it to us. And uh, and I, I, I encourage everyone to look for um, the good things that are coming out of it, because this is an amazing time to be alive. Well said. I mean, I know it sounds like a cliche to say, you know, we're we're all one. But when you think of atoms and nuclei, things down at the you know microscopic level, where do we come from? Yeah. We all come from this same organic pool that is the Earth that has created us. And when we look at it that way. If we looked more to nature to see that, you know, literally we are each a nucleus, you know, and we, we go out into the world and now is the time for us to, to look at these things more critically, to practice more compassion, to practice that compassion for ourselves, which then allows us to feel the greater emotion of empathy and to have the patience with ourselves to recognize that what we see in others that we might want to judge might be something we don't appreciate or like about ourselves. Yes. You know, and each other, but don't give a flying fuck what the other thinks. Yeah. <laughs> and there's that. <laughs> the end. The end. I think that is the perfect place to end. So, Sean, I thank you so much. This was a very last minute thing. I had sent you a text in the morning while I was outside doing exercise. I'm like, oh, my God, Sean, I want to do this. I have this great idea based on all the stuff you've already done. So I really appreciate you uh, making the time to do this with me today. With pleasure. With pleasure. Check out the GigaNetwork.com and listen to the Sean Prue Show on SiriusXM Canada Talks Channel 167 or at SeanPrue.com. Plug. Oh, you're such a good media whore. I will make sure to include all of those links in the show notes for you. Thanks again. Thank you.